Hi, welcome to Q. It's lovely to have you with us tonight. Um, you'd have thought that tonight's subject would be the easiest one in the world since we're a church, because uh, we want to talk about love. And you think, heck, that's going to be a doddle. Well, I promise you, it's one of the hardest subjects to get your head around because we all understand it in very different ways. And uh, I know that I have great faith and great uh, pride in what we are here as a house because we're not just willing to uh, hold on to cliches uh, and make that the be all and end all. We're actually saying we're willing to get our hands dirty and say, I really want to understand what love is like. We all know that the phrase that is banded about that God is love. Yeah, sounds easy, but what does it mean? And what does that mean for me? How does it affect my life in this day and age? And whether we like it or not, uh, the way that we go through life uh, in our understanding of love, it's because it's been shaped by experiences, by words, by events, and that has defined what you understand of love. And do you know what? It's no wonder we all get into trouble. It's no wonder that we have breakdowns in relationships because often we trigger in each other the things that are part of that incredible, deep, entrenched understanding of what we believe is love. Well, of course, we've got to say as well, it's what we also don't believe is love. And that's part of the problem. So tonight we must be nuts because we're going to try and tackle some of this. But we're actually only going to uh, tackle one aspect, and it's how have we, each of us, uh, come to our understanding of love? Now, I said a few minutes ago, we can say, oh, well, that's easy. God is love. We have the picture of Jesus and him dying on the cross. But do you know what? If you don't understand that properly as an event, that can make your understanding of love incredibly distorted, and I'm saying this tonight as a church who absolutely love Jesus. We absolutely love his story. We love uh, God and what he uh, has, has done for us in the context of our Christian narrative. But we also know that it can also be very misunderstood and take us down a very distorted path. So um, what we want to really look at tonight is that in our quest for authentic spirituality, we must no longer be satisfied with these cliches, but actually get down to the dirty uh, nitty gritty of what it means for us right now. So I don't know whether you understand, you all speak a different language of love. You all want different things. And often when we're in that very much in love process, that somehow just, I, I don't know what happens. We all get on a high drug and we seem to not understand anything, and then the rubber hits the road, and then we understand that we all talk a very different language. Is that not the case? So even if we go down to back to the Bible, even the ancients had very many different understandings of love. They had, uh, they had agape love, they had filial love, they had erotic love. So, you know, if we try to make a lot of sense of this tonight, we're not going to do very much in, in an hour. But we're going to be brave tonight and we're going to at least try to come up with how individuals come up with their definition. Now, last week we put on a, a video and it talked about, this is, this is quite powerful for me because it talked about 
it talks about how the mind tends to operate on memories to come up with it un- what it understands rather than fact. And uh, sadly, it's these sort of things that become our foundation, these memories. And then we project them onto each other and then we often project them onto God. So we want to actually show a little clip tonight uh, that is quite extreme, but it'll at least give you um, an extreme understanding of how some of us can come to our definition of love and then we'll move on from there. But we are not going to be able to tackle this subject tonight totally, but I hope it will give you all an opportunity to actually take stock and say, if I want to grow spiritually, if I want to become a different person, maybe I have to tackle some of the definitions of love that I have, and maybe that'll give me the opportunity to move forward. So just take a look at this. Oh, that's very moving, isn't it? Incredibly um, hard-hitting. Yet, we don't have to have suffered that level of, of abuse to come up with a negative understanding of love. And uh, so what we wanted to do tonight at this point was actually bring up um, our leadership. Uh, there's Danny, there's Beth and Jenny um, are going to come up and help me with this. And Anth, yeah, you're coming up, aren't you? Um, do you want to come up now? And uh, because I want them to show you um, just how they have had to tackle some of the distortions uh, in their life to bring us to where we are. Now, again, don't make this and say, oh, well, that, I don't get that or I don't understand it. What we're looking for tonight is to allow something of a miracle to happen in your life that you can think, do you know what? This might be where I need to get some help because I'm uh, defining love in a very distorted way. So what I want to ask each of you, and we're just going to have a... Have you got a microphone? Have you got... Yeah, okay. We're just literally going to ask a question. Is there a a particular story in each of your life uh, where you came to an understanding either this is what love is, or when the opposite is happening, this is what I don't want love to be, if you see what I mean, because it can work from both angles. And then also then say how then that's affected you in how you operate with people. Because as you saw from that last clip, Jenny found that she couldn't receive love because she'd understood it in such a distorted way. So who wants to start? Come on, be brave. Go on, Danny, then. Okay, good evening, everyone. Uh, Do you ever watch X Factor? Do you ever see those people get up that sing and you think, "How how on earth did you think it would be a good idea to go to X Factor and sing. Have you ever had those moments where you think, who told you, you're brilliant, you're amazing, when they should have said, you might need to do a bit more practice. Okay, me and Georgia, we know what we're talking about. Okay, well, the moment that came um, into my head from my childhood was when I was learning to play the piano, I was about seven, um, and I'd probably been practicing for a year or so, having lessons. Um, I thought I was brilliant. and my dad had a business meeting with somebody and I was away practicing in the lounge um, and they walked past the door on the outside and I heard the guy say to my dad, um, oh, is that your son playing the piano? And he said, yeah, but he's only just started. And I remember feeling like, oh, like to me it was a big like wound to the ego probably. Um, to be honest, he was right. <laughs> I had just started. Um, but I remember, I think over the last kind of 10 or 15 years that 
memory has come back a lot because I think it showed me that I wanted somebody to say, you are amazing, you're absolutely brilliant. I wanted this kind of exuberant, extravagant praise. And I think there's lots of moments growing up where lots of people have said, ah, oh, isn't Danny brilliant? And people have gone, well, he's, he's all right, he's doing okay. And I think for me, I was always looking for this exuberant praise. So I think for me, love had become exuberant praise or lots of positive words of affirmation, which in some senses I think is valid and is important. But I think sometimes if that's not brought into balance, what it means in my life is the way that I love people is I give them exuberant praise, but sometimes it may be uh, unmerited. So, for example, like someone could be totally rubbish and I give them lots of opportunity and go, yeah, you're absolutely amazing, when maybe I'm the reason that people go on X Factor when maybe they shouldn't go on X Factor. But I think what it just showed is that it's easy to have those little experiences that maybe define things. And it's not that giving people words of affirmation is wrong or bad, um, or to not do that is wrong or bad. But I think for me, it kind of had defined what love is, when actually maybe love can be either or in different experiences and it kind of needs balancing. Thank you. Thank you. Go on. Okay, so for me, um, I realised this week that for me, love means giving in. Um, and I realised that when I was thinking about my childhood and I was thinking about um, me and my brother in particular and how we got on. Um, and I have a number of experiences with my brother where um, I had to give in. Now, if you've got a brother or sister, you might have experienced that as well. But um, in particular, when we were used to go out in the car anywhere, so we would, we would have a strict regime of taking turns who sat in the front. But if my brother kicked up a fuss... My mum would say, oh, well, will you just sit in the back this time, Beth? Will you just sit in the back? And I remember one day being like, why do I My always... story as well. <laughs> why do I always have to sit in the back? And she said, oh, because, because you won't kick up a fuss if you sit in the back. You'll be good. You're the good one. And suddenly it became, to be the good one, I had to give in. I have to say, there was one, one occasion, which I was just talking about with Joe as we were coming up, where I didn't give in and I put my foot down and my dad finally said, yes, you can sit in the front. And I left my trainers in the footwell in the back got in the front and my brother got motion sickness and threw up in my trainers and then said you should have let me sit in the front and so all of that kind of I realized that it's little and silly and insignificant as that sounds I gave up and gave in things to, towards my brother and also towards the rest of my family and other people all through my childhood which taught me in the end that actually in order to show love to somebody you you have to give give in because that makes you the good one that makes you the loving one that makes you the kind one and this then it transferred I had a big argument with my dad once and I remember my mum just saying yeah, but just just keep quiet about it don't worry and I would say but it isn't fair like he should say this as well and I was like no no my mum was like no just leave it just leave it so I had to leave it not him I had to leave it and then in relationships that I, I came up to I would give in all the time to my own detriment in that I would let them have what they want I would let them buy the things they wanted to even if it got us into debt even if it caused all sorts of problems so for me love just became giving in but on the flip side of that it meant that if somebody never didn't give in to me ever I didn't feel loved and so suddenly little arguments now again insignificant that I might have with Joe about the rearrangement of a chopping board in our kitchen <laughs> I feel I have to give in in order to show him I love him, and I, but then he doesn't give in to me, and so I feel unloved, and it's all over a chopping board, and it just shows how all this stuff can be blown massively out of proportion, all because of our childhood experiences. Thank you, that's amazing. Go on, go Jenny. Okay, um, 
Well, I'm not sure I have a story. I think it's, I've concluded this week, this has just been the whole of my life. Um, so for me, love um, was always communicated as, as being provided for, either financially or emotionally, um, and very much being looked after. So that was fine for as long as I felt like the world and everyone in it looked after me. Um, and then I found myself in a situation where I did not feel looked after at all. Um, and so then I had to find other ways of, of navigating that. But I think where it became a, a problematic is that because I believe that the provision is what's love, I have turned myself inside out and back to front, trying to be everything to everybody in order to provide. Um, I'm at your service um, the whole time, um, and, and that doesn't lead you to a very healthy place. It sounds noble, but, but it's actually isn't helpful and is, is from this place that that's the only way love can look and sometimes love says no I'm not doing that and sometimes love says no I can't be that to you right now um, and so I'm on that I'm on the journey to freedom so in this week and this will help you this week even going through this has been quite challenging for me realizing what I believe and I think it'll help you all tonight as well so hopefully you'll get something out the evening thank you awesome and yeah for most of my life I never <coughs> appreciated how events and occurrences have such a massive impact. Um, first of all, on how we feel we have to compensate for the lack that has been left in us because of the event. And secondly, because of how we superimpose onto the character of God uh, something from that experience that then distorts our understanding of love. And uh, it's funny because I, I can remember an incident, I can't have been more than, than four, five or six and uh, do you know when you think you remember things as a kid, but it's because your mother had a picture of it, and so you think you remember it because when actually you don't, well, I have no picture of this, but, but it's as real as the videos that we saw. And uh, when I was at that young age as a child, we used to holiday in our broth where my, my auntie lived. And uh, I remember one day we were walking along a path and we'd, we'd bought ice creams. Again, I'm just four, five or six years old, probably five and uh, there was an opening in a fence and um, of course the obvious thing to do would be to go through the opening in the fence. This was the door, this was the gate with my parents. But I chose an alternative route which was to climb through the three slatted fence. I can see it to this day which I remember my father saying to me, don't, do, don't climb through there, don't climb through there, you'll, you'll, you'll drop your ice cream. So of course I took the alternative route and uh, uh, sure enough, I, I lost the ice cream off my cone. And um, that, of course, was a sad moment for a child of that age. But, but what has that an impact on me? And I didn't realize it, but this is why I can still remember it as clear as day. is because I desperately wanted another ice cream on my cone, but I was refused the right to have one. Now, this is, some of you know my parents. They were loving and kind, and I don't blame them. But, but often these events, it's not what people intended, it's how they interpret to us. And so I, I have grown up with the subconscious feeling that if I take an alternative route and I knock the ice cream off my cone, it will <laughs> not be replaced. Nobody loves me enough to replace the ice cream that got knocked off my cone. Now, for any of you that know me, my whole life in ministry, I've taken the alternative route. I've never gone through the gate and I've knocked the, I've knocked the ice cream off the cone a lot of times. And so I have lived with that desperate fear, first of all, that I will have done wrong and God will not give me that back. 
And secondly, that the people that I love will not replace that for me. So your, your understanding of love becomes disrupted. So then you're always trying to do things that offset that so that somehow you'll be loved enough to have that put back. Now, I still struggle with some of those things. And I had one other incident that, that was a persistent incident for me that as a child growing up, didn't matter how sick I was, I couldn't stay off school. Now, you might say that's tough love, that's good tough love, and there is a case to be made for that, but what we don't realize sometimes is that our decisions on that are having an impact upon a person's soul, a person's spirit. And so, yeah, there were times when, as a kid, I just didn't want to face the exam or go to that lesson, and so I'm really sick. The problem was that the times that I was really sick, I still had to go. Here's what it did in my little spirit, in that, in that young heart, it says, it says that I have to convince you and you will not let me convince you and therefore if I can't convince you, you don't really love me. Now imagine growing up as a pastor, as a minister, with the subconscious thing in your heart, if I can't convince you, you don't really love me. These are the things that we struggle with that have shaped in us a, and then we try to compensate by doing things that try to do things that will get people to love us or get God to love us that we try to compensate by the things that we do. So I think Anne's going to get a whole bunch of ice creams this week. Do you? <laughs> no, I hope you've understood why we've done this tonight because you're all sat out there and I know that you're going to have uh, things that come up in your mind. But I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is that he points to those things where we need to be healed. And on that basis, we want to give you that opportunity tonight to connect and engage with that so that you might find healing and be free. So none of these things were either exalting or belittling. Uh, It's just who we are. And then we wonder why when each of these things goes on, so when something happens with Danny or Beth or uh, Jenny or, or Anth or me or whatever, where I put my finger on those wounds, we wonder then why there's a problem. And it's because we've actually triggered the memory and it comes up with either I'm not loved or what's going on, I'm, I'm being questioned about my sincerity or I'm not being provided for or I'm being asked to give in. And this is how it is in life. So I hope that's helped. Um, we're going to talk about how we can move on from that because that's very much childlike behavior that we've brought into adulthood. And that's all about how we feel we are being loved when actually mature love is how we be love itself. And we're going to move on to that in a little while. So thank you very much. Well done. I think one of the things that really strikes me tonight particularly is, um, and this is a prayer, a prayer that that all our distorted perceptions of love will be healed. Um, We we, we can live under the illusion that we've got it all together, but but much of that illusion is, is a deception because what we have done in our minds and our hearts is developed beliefs and thoughts that compensate for the areas of lack. And then, and then we make things fit into that 
area of compensation, which, which we can do with everything from, from our personal relationships to our understanding of, of God, of Christ, and the gospel. You know, one understanding of God and the cross is that for God to love me, he has to kill somebody. Because he can't just love me without killing somebody. Therefore, if I'm really going to be loved, somebody has to die. So I simply use that illustration to say how even in our perceived understanding of the gospel and, and of God, our own unrecognized distortions of what love is make us try to compensate not just in what we do, but how we seek to understand things because we want to feel better. I pray tonight that all your distorted perceptions of love will be healed in a remarkable way. Um, an old guy called John, I've got some stuff written here, but I'll talk organically. An old guy called John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, who um, is one of the authentic I was with Jesus people who wrote stuff that we now consider to be scripture, which, which some of the writings were writings from comments, but not written by people there. When John was an old man, he, he, he wrote three little letters um, and, uh, you know, being very, um, very switched on, he called them 1 John, 2 John and 3 John, which is quite a good name, really. So in this one that's called 1 John or 1 John in chapter 4, he, he kind of is summarizing as an 80 plus year old man. And it's like he takes all the stuff he's been through seeing and, and he starts wrestling with one concept that really is saying, do you know, when, when all's said and done, when we've, we've weighed all our experiences and everything, one thing I have concluded is that God is love. Now, I didn't say God has love, which again is a problem that, that we, we try to evaluate because we make love a commodity. And once you make something a commodity, it has to be packaged, it, it, has, to be, it has to be described, and it has to be sold, or it has to be bought. And remember that when you make love a commodity, you will believe you have to buy love. And so love doesn't bring freedom, love brings bondage because you're bound to the concepts that you have that I have to buy this love. If I'm not good enough, if I lose the ice cream off my cone because I didn't go through the right gate, you know, if I have this orientation, if I did this thing, if, I, if I'm in church and I don't sing enough, pray enough, worship enough, give enough, if I don't understand enough Bible, so, so we have this concept that God has love and I know when you think God has love because you're always trying to do stuff to buy it because it's become a commodity. But God is love means that love is an essence, not a commodity. It is something that exists outside of the market values that we try to place upon it, which first of all make us feel condemned because the market is against us because we didn't make the grade. And it also pushes us that we have to pay something or do something or say something in all the right ways to get it. Once you understand love is an essence, it frees you from that because it just is. And, and if we're going to talk about God, God's love just is because God is love. It just is. It's not a commodity that you buy, work for, try to achieve, and somehow by some magic word prayer make happen. It just is. So, so one thing I can tell every one of you, you are incredibly loved by God. 
Loved enough that even in teaching you, somehow he'll put the ice cream back on the cone. Somehow. Loved enough that, that in your darkest moment, God will be convinced about what you're going through. See, because we all, because we have distorted understandings of love, develop a certain thing, and that certain thing we develop is fear. Now, we may not label it as fear, but it's actually fear. The fear that I will not be loved, the fear I will be left, the fear that, that what I need to make me feel whole, I will not be given. But, but you see, I, I grew up with the whole thing because I, I, I was in a very church background that the answer to that was faith, faith and more faith. Faith in God, faith in what Jesus did, faith, faith and more faith. But, but somehow it, it never really got rid of my fear because this same old guy, John, goes on to say after he said that God is love, he says, because you need to know that perfect love casts out fear. Fear is not a faith deficiency. Fear is a love deficiency. You don't need to understand more about faith. You need to understand more about love. And actually, it's the hardest thing to begin to understand because I can't bring some love out to you and say, this is love because love is that essence, but it's there because it is an essence everywhere, all the time, for every one of us. God, in his love, because he is love, is present and attentive to where we are. And his greatest desire is not to bring you under the control of that love. His greatest desire is to set you free because of that love, so that all those distorted perceptions of things that you felt had to happen by you or by someone else or had to be met in order for you to feel love get removed because when we come to the place of freedom, we've come to the place of love. And then our response is not child love, Gimme, 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 you must huddle me, I must have. It becomes adult love. Which says then, in that love, as that it's not just about love that is given, it's about love that, is, that, that, that gives. It's about me becoming love. It's about understanding in my life that, that, that within all of those situations, that that is in me when I receive it flows out from me and there is a wonderful healing that comes. Because it's not an act, it's a fact. Okay? It's not an act, it's a fact. And if we get to understand that in the context of God, and we get to understand it in the context of one another, then that's perfect love that drives out fear. And that's what delivers us into the freedom that God always desired for us. Just uh, very briefly, before Beth comes to, to introduce our last little video, the, the, the stuff that we're trying to do with you on a Sunday is because without realisation there can be no process of development and uh, our heart is to move you and move us along in some of these issues and questions we need to deal with and I'll make about three little statements in a moment but... but but I know that there are many of you who, who really, really relate to this. Your distorted perceptions of love have left you hurt and not whole. And I'd like you just, everybody, just close your eyes right now. I just want to pray a healing on you. If that's you, just receive it right now because healing is here for you. 
but you might have to let something go for that to happen, which is where we finished. But I pray right now for you that healing will come to your heart, to the clear understanding of how much you are loved and how you can be loved will emerge in you just as sure as God is love and God showed us his love and you can receive that love and be that love. I pray healing and wholeness will come to you in Jesus' name tonight. Okay, just, just two or three things. Here's what, tying together some of the videos. God's love is a mature love. Do you remember the, the video about the two kinds of love? And, and I know I'm like that. We all want the child love. We all want that kind of love, but God's love is a mature love, a grown-up love, which is about loving more than needing to be loved. And when you can make that switch, loving more than needing to be loved, you're starting to connect with that essence, that process that is God himself. It's about being love rather than being loved. Did you get that? About being love rather than being loved. One is self-seeking and self-serving, the other is self-giving. Now, now this is what I wanted to say before, before uh, I get Beth to introduce the video. God's greatest desire is that we stop being a child and become a partner. See, the child is not a partner in the process. And the Bible hasn't helped us in a lot of things. Terminology in the Bible, once we read in the Gospels of God as Father, because of our distorted understanding, all we can think is that God wants us to be the little child. But you see, the issue is in, in that relationship, the parent is controlling everything. The child is subservient to everything. So therefore, it actually becomes not a freedom but it becomes a control. But you see, the issue of, of, of a father in the Bible was not that understanding. It was the father's role was to bring the child to maturity so that the child would share in the relationship with the father, not be under the relationship of the father. That was the point. We haven't got time to express that in biblical terms, but it was about the sharing with, becoming a partner of, which is why Jesus one day says, do you know what? You're my friends. Because they'd gone from just childlike disciples to being friends, partners with. And God's desire for you, and this is where wholeness comes, is when you learn that you are a partner with. And all of that life flows through you, but you might have to let something go in order for that to become a reality. Okay, we're going to show you a film clip now from the 90s, um, and I'm setting up. I, I love this film in the 90s, but you might not have seen it because you might not have been born then, or you might have been too old to care then. And so I'm going to set it up because it's important that you know the background to the film. And um, I would say there's a spoiler alert, but I think the spoiler comes in the title, Free Willy. So I think it's okay. Um, but, but basically the gist of the story is that there's a young boy who has been deserted by his mum at quite a young age. And, um, and his idea of love has been massively shaped by that. He has a, a continuing belief that he is going to be left, that he, somebody, people are going to go, walk away from him, that he can't be loved, that he is unlovable. And, um, and, and the story ends up with him working in this um, like aquarium type, that's probably the wrong word, but that kind of place where there is a whale. 
And this whale has been abandoned by its mum, or has been taken away from its mum, and also has a disconnection with its mother. So suddenly, Jesse, the boy in the story, finds a connection, and he is able to compensate for this love that he has lost, or never had, but by creating a relationship and a friendship with this whale. Um, but the reality is, like Anthony was just saying, that, that, that even though he's created that, actually the fear of being left hasn't gone. So he, he's, he's quite happy in this environment, but any, any belief that this whale might go, it's suddenly it's like the fear is still there. So there's a scene with kids banging on a screen where it all, all the water leaks out and he panics. And there's this idea of, the, of this whale being taken somewhere else and he panics. The fear hasn't left. And by the end of the film... Jesse has to come to a bit of a realisation about love and about life and about his part that he, that he has to play in the role in their relationship, which is actually that, that there is... That, that freedom is necessary that actually he can't hold on for healing to come for him he cannot hold on to this idea of captivity anymore this idea of control over the situation anymore but actually he has to set something free and when he does and you'll see now in the clip that we're about to show when he allows that process to take place the fear goes the fear that he has faced goes and despite the fact that freedom is what comes and that that should really have faced a bit of fear for him that the fear has gone and the love that he is able to show is one that is mature one that buys into the relationship one that gives to the other party rather than just constantly wanting it so watch the film clip it's a little bit emotional if you've seen it before if you haven't seen it you might think i don't know what this is about but enjoy enjoy the clip anyway and take something from it that actually sometimes we have to put down this control and allow freedom to take place in order for us to be free from the fears that we have have been facing.